reason why we sing. Him the writer says, because I know who holds tomorrow. I can face it. Amen. Isn't it good to know we have a God that can control us and guide us and direct us for our benefit. I said for our benefit. Sometimes we don't go where we want to go, but he's going to take us where he needs us to be. And then we're going to find out that's where I want to be in the first place. Let us turn to this great God. Lord, we come right now, Lord, desperate for your word, desperate for your presence, desperate for you to move in our lives. You are the reason why we're seeing you. are the reason why we woke up this morning to come to worship you. Father, we ask right now, speak in this place. May your gospel go forward. Pierce our hearts that we'll live a life in obedience and submission to your will, we pray. Amen. Amen. In James, uh, third chapter, we had the reading of this entire chapter to us this morning uh, for our reflection. If you can join me in the latter part of this same chapter, looking at verse 17. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Those who are able to stay in the honor of God's word, we welcome you to do so. Gospel, excuse me, the New Testament, uh, James, third chapter, verse 17 to verse 18. The word of God reads this way of New Living Translation. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is, a, it is also peace-loving gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. As you take your seat, you help me announce the subject matter to your neighbor. Tell them, fighting my ambition. Amen. Amen. Don't leave anybody left out. Make sure your other neighbors are awake. Tell them the same thing. Fighting my ambition. Looking at this text, it closes out in this third chapter what wisdom is. I, I am so glad that the Bible always is clear when it's defining what we should have. It says that wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. Mm, 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 mm. It makes it clear to us that when we ex achieve wisdom from a God from above, it is pure, which means that it is sincere. There's no defilement. There's nothing in it that will hurt you or hinder you, but it is 100% pure. If you need some help, just go to the doctor and ask the doctor what kind of juice is good for you. They'll tell you 100% pure. Juice is good for you. you. Get that other stuff. You will get some toxins in your body that your body might not be able to better digest. So therefore, I got to give you some vitamins and give you some other supplements to help you digest the stuff that's in there. But I guarantee, if you bite an apple off an apple tree, the doctor let you know that's good. But you'll get you some processed apple and put some other stuff on. They're gonna let you know that may not be as healthy, pure. And so, looking at how. how 
does wisdom impact me fighting my selfish ambition? I said selfish uh, ambition. James, in this great letter to the church, he points out to them that everybody should not try to be a teacher. Many of us are probably looking at this text, and I heard some amens out there realizing that everybody that's teaching is not a good teacher. True? True indeed. But let's look at why some people become teachers. It might be even true, as it's true in the time then, that a teacher was well thought of. A teacher was a person of standard. A teacher was a person that you looked up upon and modeled yourself after. Definitely in the Jewish tradition, to be a rabbi, to be a teacher, meant you had some followers, meant you had some prestige, meant that they looked at you when they went into the synagogue and was waiting to see what would you say. And they would listen. So he's implying to them that many of you should not strive to become teachers with the wrong motives. Watch out, somebody. That we want to have a title, we want to have a position because we want what comes with it, but we don't want the responsibility that also comes with it. Uh, many people want to be leaders, but they don't want to be leaders. Let me say that again and hope you can catch out what I'm saying. Many people want to be leaders, but they don't want to be leaders. They want the position, they don't want to be the one that has persuasion, that has power, that has influence, and that will give and serve. Because understand that when Jesus was leading, he was serving. And so if the kingdom has set the example of leading means to serve, then we still reflect that in this world. But he highlights that many of us should not try to become teachers. I like how he put us in there because James is pointing out, I am included with this. For there's a great responsibility. So when we look at fighting my selfish ambition, we will need to control our selfish desires. This will imply discipline in our lives. Hello to discipline. The impact of, of discipline in my life will be reflected in my speech. Uh-oh. My tongue. If I cannot control my tongue, I am lacking discipline. Y'all quiet on me. Being ambition in this world is applauded in some circles. However, in this text, to be ambitious in this text is not the case because it means to be self-seeking for a political office or by unfair means. This word ambition is not used as a virtue, but used as a vice in our Bible. For that reason, we see Paul in Philippians 2nd chapter verse 3 saying, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility or of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. This instruction he gives that we should not be so selfish and busy trying to profit ourselves, but look how I can be a blessing to somebody else. I hope you're sitting next to somebody in your life because you need to look to the left, look to your right, and start thinking, am I serving who I'm next to? Too many times we're looking, what can I get from you when we sit next to somebody? What can they benefit me? But we should be looking around and say, can I benefit you? Can I be a blessing to you? Can I encourage you? Can I lift you up? Or is it all about me, myself, and I, and don't forget me? Did I say that already? But when we are looking to see the ambition of ourselves and see, do I have my selfishness under control? The first test that James is suggesting to us to look at your tongue. Watch out, somebody. 
Looking at the warning he gives to this church, he's letting them know that teaching is good, is great, but if you're not in control of your tongue, you might be a bad teacher. Watch out. Teachers had followers and would be looked upon in the synagogue to teach when called upon and when they were ready to, and they should be ready to teach at all times. It must have been a common teaching that teachers would be held to a strict standard. James shows us he is a teacher and acknowledges he knows the high standard for teachers. Even the apostle Paul wants, to, wants us to be accountable as teachers and proclaiming the gospel. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, chapter verse 27, But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to them, I myself will not be disqualified. What can disqualify preachers and teachers is their tongue. James brought us a scope to say all have issues with their tongue. If you do not have tr any trouble with your tongue, you are perfect. And having no fault. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we may bring our tongue to obedience and submission to the will of the Lord. That is why James wrote previously in this letter, first chapter, verse 26. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. I know many a times I've, I, 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 I sat in the pews before I was preaching and standing up here that I've been with you, that I walked in the church, that I walked out the church and said, that person's fooling themselves. Because we say, they say they're religious, but we heard the words that came out of their mouth. We were thinking to, we might not have told anybody, but we were thinking to ourselves, that person says they're a Christian. Because we're looking not just how you walk and how you dress, but I'm looking at the words that come out of your mouth. Think about how when you feel ashamed when you're around people that say some cruel things. And you start to shudder and you, you try to cover your ear and you, 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 you know how you don't want to laugh, but you laugh because you're so uncomfortable. You don't know what else to do, but so you laugh with them. <laughs> but you're thinking to yourself, I really feel bad now that I'm laughing because what they said was so disgusting and cruel, but I don't know what to do. And you're looking at this person and you're thinking, how did that come out of your mouth? And we do that to other people. The question is that, have you checked your tongue lately? Because it says that if we can control our tongue, we'll be perfect or a better way to understand that we will be mature. Can I help somebody out? That it means to be mature means that you know better, so you do better. That back in the day, you might have said this on the street, but you're no longer on the street. You're no longer back in the day. You're saved today, so you don't say this stuff. Y'all quiet on me. We, we live in this world now that that sin is so much glorified that we changed our testimonies to tell people how bad we were. One say, I was the baddest out there. Didn't nobody want to hear about that? I thought you were going to testify about the goodness of the Lord. But we allow our tongue to get the best of us that we say the things that people want to hear so they can smile with us. But when we look at the word of God, the word of God brings forth conviction. It brings forth truth. And that when we start changing and taming our tongue, we start not adding on to people's stories, but we start correcting the stories. 
But in the society, how many times have you walked into a place and you bring up Jesus, people's attitude change. So here they come again, going to kill what I did on the weekend. He's going to talk about what he did on the weekend. Don't nobody want to hear about how you went to church. Don't nobody hear what you did over the weekend then. Because when I talk about my God, it's always good news. I, you turn on the TV to watch sad news. I go to the church to get some good news. Hello, somebody. You, you, you can sit down on a 24-7 news show and see all this horrible, horrible news. But when I come to share you some good news, you won't get upset with me. See, we are called to, to, see, to show growth in our communication. And it's evident when we allow the Holy Spirit to change us. Each one, can, each one can realize that my tongue needs to be checked in order for me to check myself. Think about when you go to the doctor for a checkup. You can sit in that examination room. You can look on the wall. They got a couple of utensils in all those rooms. They have one to check your ears. They have one to check your eyes. And then they have one to check your your blood pressure, but also your tongue. They'll open up that drawer or take it out that place, rip off that paper for that tongue depressor, open wide, say ah, and they stick it in. And watch out now, they are looking at your tongue, looking at your throat. How come the doctor takes time to check out your small little tongue? Because it can tell you a lot about you. Heard one person say this, that be careful your tongue's in a slippery place. <laughs> True indeed, our tongue's in a wet, slippery place. It can slip at any time. I heard one person say it this way, that they only open their mouth to exchange feet. Yeah. So we need to realize that our tongue's in a place that can cause a lot of damage. Look how James goes on to talk about the tongue. So think about if I'm a teacher, I'm a representation of the gospel. I proclaim to be a Christian, but yet my tongue is not controlled. It is compared to, he says, a bit in a horse. A horse is a big, massive animal, but you put a rein on a horse with a bit in its mouth and you can control every part of that horse with this small little bit. It goes on to say that it is compared to a small rudder on a massive ship that the pilot can control. Some of us are in here, Zion, because y'all tell me about how y'all go on those nice big cruise ships and how big they are, how much you're from. But you understand that that one little pilot with that small little rudder in comparison to the massiveness of that ship can control its destiny. As big as that ship is, a rudder, not even a full quarter percent, maybe a, a tenth of a fraction of the size and the weight can control where that boat goes. Or it compares it to a spark that can cause a huge fire. And then to further elaborate, say that it is a flame of fire that can burn the whole body with a hellish fire. It suggests to us that each one shows us that our tongue is small but mighty in, in its influence and impact how it can control a person or maybe even destroy a community and a person. The old story goes, many of us are familiar with it, the, the, uh, don't, uh, nobody's proved it, but they keep on saying the great Chicago fire started when a cow kicked the land and knocked it down and started all the fire. 
100,000 people homeless, 175 million worth of damage, and people died. But it all started with a cow kicking a lantern, tipping over, starting the Chicago fire. We understand that if that can happen, how much more our tongue has caused damage. People can tame all kinds of animals, he says. Isn't that something? You can go to the circus, see a man tame a lion, see a person taming a snake. You can see birds flying around, even saying stuff. So you can see that. Think about it. He points out how God created what? The birds of the air, the creatures in the sea, and that beast on the air. And we can tame them, but many of us got problems with our tongue. I, I bet you know somebody that got a problem with their tongue, but they got a tame dog at their house. <laughs> they got their tongue. Sit, boo-boo. Roll over, boo-boo. Boo-boo can do everything they want to say, but their tongue... How is it that we can get an alligator to come up and we can wrestle with an alligator? We can put our head in a line. We can get a, a poisonous cobra and get it to dance. But when it comes to a stubbing our toe, somebody cuts you off in line, they hang the phone up on you, your tongue starts going crazy. So we need to find out, say, okay, God, I need to get my tongue under control. So looking at why I need to get my tongue under control, look what happens to us. Then we need to seek what? Wisdom. Because if, if I am to be a Christian, I need to start looking at my, my, my output. I say that I'm sweet, but nothing but bitterness comes out of me. Mm. I say I love the Lord, I bless him, but I curse his creation. We need to be careful of talking about God's creation because then you're talking about God. And the sad aspect that we start looking, think about our vocabulary choices, that you tell someone they look ugly. So what are you telling God? Yeah, yeah, some of y'all quiet. Um, y'all sitting there thinking. I hope y'all thinking. Just think about how when you say someone is ugly, you have made a judgment and you made an indictment to God saying, God, you messed up. We could say a car is ugly because we tell that manufacturer that car is ugly. But to say that God who made us in his own image, that we have the right to decide what is good and what is not. Because how can you say what is good and when someone else says you're not good, who's right? And so if God is right all by himself, we need to be mindful that if I love him, I must love his creation. Mm. We, must, we must learn not to be so judgmental because if you look previously, it says that we do not judge as God judged, but we judge with evil motives. We are so influenced by the society, we allow the society to guide us and direct us with how we ought to think, how we ought to act, how we ought to move. Uh, think about how your vocabulary has changed in the year 2013, that there's words in the dictionary that were not words when many of you were growing up. If you're going to go search on the computer, you tell somebody to do what? Google it. Got kids alive, that's all they know is Google, but, but we know we, we didn't have the internet. You looked, you wanted to go search for something, you went to the library, and if you was blessed, you had an Encyclopedia Britannica in your house. Had a whole volume from, from 1 to 32, with two indexes, am I right about it? 
to look up to find out now you got kids, they type in what they want. The whole world's at their fingertips. We can see that we are influenced in the society. They can tell us how to use words. You got the word Twitter in your vocabulary. I mean, you don't even have a Twitter account, but you know a tweet. But how much of the word is in your heart? That when times come up in your life, you can say, Lord, I can reflect on this word to give me encouragement, to give me strength. That when times are rough in my life, I can quote that 23rd number of Psalm. When times are rough in my life, I can say, if the Lord is for me, who can be against? When times are rough in my life, I can say, it. he is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When times are rough in my life, I can say, my enemies may camp around me, but they will stumble and they will fall. When times are rough in my life, I can say, my Lord has overcome the world. When things are not going my way. I can say no weapon formed against me shall prosper. When things are not working out my way, I say I know he's got a plan for my life. Plans of hope and not of peril. What I'm trying to point out that when we don't let the world influence us but we let God influence us then we got our selfish ambition in check. But when it's all about you is that downhill? Because nothing's going to good, come good out of selfish ambition. Look what happens. It says selfish ambition leads to arguments and fights. Y'all see that there? Nothing good comes out of selfish ambition. You will find disorder and evil of every kind. Mm. So here's a good test for you. You say, well, my, you think your tongue's in check. My question is, do you have order or disorder going around in your life? If your house is out of order, watch out somebody. You can't start blaming other people. Start checking yourself. What am I doing that's contributing to this mess? Your business is out of order. What am I doing to contributing to this mess? My neighborhood. Because oftentimes it's easy to project blame. If you need some assistance, turn to any news channel and you will find out who they're going to blame. It's not them. I'm, I'm not the problem. I am the solution, but so-and-so is the problem. What I like about the Bible makes it clear. He always makes it clear that who's the problem? You're the problem. You, 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 you the problem. Man came to him saying, Lord, I want to follow you. Great. You need to sell everything. The problem was not following the problem. So you the problem. Was pro you have to stop yourself from loving yourself more than loving me. Selfish ambition means what can I get out of it? What can I do for it? But look what he says to us that we need to have what kind of wisdom? Heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom comes from above. And what comes from above, first of all, is what? It's pure. Y'all see that? It is also peace-loving. It is also what? Gentle at all times. And willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. I, as I was studying, I, I read a story that said this, that uh, two goats were on a path over water. And they couldn't go to the left, couldn't go to the right. They had to go backwards or go forward. And so, therefore, if any of them were going to move, they, somebody would have to get off. But one goat decided that I will bow down 
and let the other goat walk over him to complete. The person that told the story says that it's good to bow down when only your person is getting stepped on, not your conscience. Many of us don't want anybody to see us bent down. We can't humble ourselves. We can't surrender and yield to somebody else. But wisdom from God tells us how to serve. That the greatest of all is the least of all. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Wisdom from above shows us how to not show favoritism and try to be me, me, me. But wisdom from God shows us how to serve people and realize that as long as my conscience is clear, I can take some beatings. I can take some bruises. I can take some heartaches because I I know that in the end, God is going to work it out for my good. Can you see how the text is pointing out to us that it's not about what you can get, but about how you can surrender to an awesome, benevolent, loving, merciful God that showed us great wisdom. Because you know who wisdom is. Wisdom is Jesus. Wisdom, he came from heaven. Was he not pure? (laughs) Was he not peace-loving? Was he not caring? Did he not show favoritism? Did he not give to others? And we know what happened to him. He was crucified on the cross for our sins. But I'm so glad he didn't stay there on the cross. Nor did he stay in the grave they buried him. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. And look at the last part of the text. It says those who have heavenly wisdom, they're going to reap a harvest of what? Righteousness. Oh, aren't you glad that Jesus died on the cross? Do you understand that in order for something to be grown, a seed has to die? Y'all see what's happening here that Jesus came and planted a seed <laughs> in our lives uh, so that he can be birthed uh, in us that we might see fruits in our lives. He said, I am the true vine. You are the branches abide in me. I will uh, abide in you or remain in you and he says I do so so that you might have fruit that you will bear fruit some 60 some 100 some 40 for he always wants increase in our lives even that he says the gardener the husband will prune you so that you get more fruit so let's look at this how can I fight my ambition first thing I need to tame my tongue I need to watch what I'm saying I need to be careful what I read what I listen to, what I consume. Garbage in, garbage out. So I need to spend some time in this word. Secondly, I need to stop doing things that are for my benefit. But start looking and say, God, how do you receive glory out of this? That when I'm walking and living out this life, that when people see me, they see you. Not because I say, but because my actions reflect it. And then lastly, we want to be seeking his wisdom. You see how godly wisdom comes from what? Above. Tell your neighbor, look up. Stop looking low. When you look low, you get low things. And low things are things you don't want. This earth is low. It's going to pass away. It has nothing to give you that will be life-sustaining. But every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so when we look up, Cassis, 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 when you're looking up, you're going to see what you're waiting for. Because, you know, a trump is going to sound. There's going to be a break in the sky. Yes, 
And we're going to see our Jesus coming in power and authority. So while I look down, look up. Look up to the hills where it's coming out. Look up. Even Elijah looked up, saw the fiery chariot come. And when he left Elijah, he was looking up. Stephen getting stoned, he looked up and saw his Jesus waiting for him. Jesus on the cross looked up. Said, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. I'm here to let you know the world wants to crush you. The world wants to depress you. But look up. Fight your selfish ambition. Stop trying to say it's all about me. What can I do by myself? You can't do anything apart from it. But with Christ, hallelujah, you can do all things. For man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Look up. Someone say, I'm a self-made man. I I don't want to be a self-made man. I want to be a born-again son of God. Hallelujah. Look up. So when we change our perspective, it changes our direction. And we start walking with a new purpose, with a new perspective. And we start looking, looking how to tame our tongue to seek his heavenly wisdom. And truly be in total surrender to our God. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Lord, we come. We come to you right now, oh God, desperate for you to move in our lives. Surrender to your Holy Spirit. That the words of our mouth will truly, Lord, be acceptable, Lord, in thy sight. Help us to tame our tongue, being fully submissive to your Holy Spirit. Lord, there might be someone here that is heartbroken right now we thank you god your word says that you are faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness if we confess although we confess right now that we have not been right our tongue has not been under control but lord we receive your forgiveness we receive your grace and your mercy move in this place right now holy spirit draw us closer to thee is our prayer god our hearts and our minds with your word that you be pleased. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen.